Hello, dear ones, and welcome to Subtle Medicine Radio, brought to you by InnerSpark. This is the resource for all things holistic healing, natural living, conscious relating, epic life-changing, and spirituality, all steeped in earth-based wisdom. We're your hosts, Devin. And I'm Mike. On today's show, episode 19, we're discussing the various bases of addiction how and why they arise, what their purpose is, and ultimately how any kind of addiction or addictive behavior is us resisting receiving life. So let's dive in. Let's go. Addiction, more often than not, conjures up thoughts of drugs, alcohol, sex, gambling. I mean, these are kind of like the big four that have 12-step meetings and are heavily stigmatized and shamed, right? The truth is addictions come in all shapes, sizes, and flavors. So food, social media, sleeping, talking, television, self-help, media, people-pleasing, the need to be right, the need to be in control, anger, self-sabotage, All of these can serve as highly addictive patterns as well. So it's not just those things that we tend to think of. Addictions are all of those things that keep us perpetually busy and in a state of doing so that we can kind of ignore and bypass ourselves and other aspects of our lives. It's a way of living and thinking and choosing our day. Addictive patterns go beyond habitual ways. Habits tend to be things that we consciously choose and create and have some level of awareness and power over. So that uh, morning yoga practice, that habit that you have, that's something that you are choosing, you're aware of it, and you have some level of power over it. Addictions, on the other hand, are so deeply embedded into us on all levels of our being and we feel as though we have no power over it. We are driven to achieve this thing that brings us a reward. And in doing that, everything is focused on this one thing. And it's as if we vacate our body and go elsewhere in order to achieve this. So those like addiction-driven thoughts and addiction-driven behaviors. As you mentioned how these things occur on all levels, I'm wondering, do you differentiate between chemical addiction versus like other kinds of addiction? Well, I mean, sure. And the main ones I just mentioned are chemical in nature, right? So like alcohol, drugs, and they more obviously create physiological changes in the body that drive the physiology towards its next fix, right? So the body is like craving alcohol or drugs and nicotine. Um, But really anything can become addictive and influence our physiology in the exact same way. So just because you're not shooting heroin doesn't mean you're exempt from addictive cycles and addictions. Anything that is eliciting this reward response is changing the physiology. Yeah, I mean, I've had uh, abusive relationships with alcohol and uh, I mean, I'm ashamed to admit it, but I have abused prescription drugs before and I very nearly became an opioid statistic after a minor surgery to remove my appendix and you know, I had a prescription for some painkillers after that. And uh, once you get the taste of something that is that powerful, it can be hard to kick. So I'm pretty familiar with what it feels like. And I don't know that it's useful to make a distinction between chemical addictions versus other addictions. You know, like you were saying, anything that gives you that kind of reward feeling can become addictive. So to make a more kind of far out example, I guess, but a very real one for me is that for a while in my life, I was addicted just to fucking up. I was addicted to being a failure. 
I sabotaged my credit. I didn't pay my bills on time. I didn't give a shit at work. I was gambling and drinking. And if I'm honest, I even had some hygiene issues. You know, I was, uh, I had a story, an idea about who I was and where I had come from. And I'd come from some really shitty, dark places. And then I joined the military. I was in the Navy. Life was really great. Um, I was good at my job and I was being recognized for it and I was not ready for that. So I rebelled against it and started fucking my life up until it looked and felt like something that I was more familiar with. And I'm sorry if it seems like I'm getting off topic here, but my point is, and I believe this is true in any situation, there's nothing more powerful than an idea. You know, like I can talk about getting uh, some painkillers and that's a powerful drug and getting hooked on that. But more powerful than any drug is an idea. And I think that those kinds of ideas, like having a perception of yourself and pursuing it like an addiction, uh, is something that needs to be acknowledged, you know. And a chemical dependency might have predictable and observable influences on the body and all these measurable reactions that people in lab coats love. But an ideological dependency can be just as dangerous as anything else, if not more so. So that's just my opinion on addiction. No, and that's fucking beautiful and spot on and exactly where I am headed. And first, before I head there, thank you very much for sharing that side of yourself. Thank you. Because I know that many of us and myself can relate, even if it's a different um, outward manifestation of the behavior, right? It's like we can all relate to that on some level. And I have talked at length, especially on my blog, and I think a little bit on this, this podcast, about my own background and struggle with alcohol and food and exercise and um, cigarettes and even uh, promiscuity and, and, and things of that nature. And it does all stem from this belief that we hold about ourselves. That is the true addiction. Right. That's the true addiction. Everything else is a symptom of that addiction. So it's not necessarily about like, oh, I'm going to give up sugar. I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to quit this thing, cold turkey, that, that I am so addicted to. And then we don't succeed at it and we wonder why and then that just fuels the story even more about like look how fucked up you are you can't even do this one thing why can't you just stop eating the cupcakes or stop smoking the cigarettes or stop going to happy hour um because that's not the thing yeah that's not the thing right it's not it is the belief that we have about ourselves addictions you know, they serve as these pleasure-inducing reward mechanisms, and that's how they register in the brain. And this is why people can repeatedly do horribly disgusting things, like smoke cigarettes, like I did for almost a decade of my earlier life. Yet it doesn't always have to be a horribly disgusting thing, which makes many of these addictive behaviors fly under the radar because they're socially acceptable, like sleeping, social media consumption, and more. But underneath it all, it's being fueled by this core belief, this core shadow, this core wound of our own personal mythology. And we are outwardly seeking things to perpetuate this belief about ourselves. So addictions act as barriers. Addictions act as barriers to protect us from that which our system perceives as too painful to feel or consciously recognize. So they're, they're protective mechanisms. When we're in our addictive cycle, our energy and life force goes, goes towards feeding the addiction and not towards feeling and dealing. We stay on autopilot, we ignore life, 
and the thing that we are running from, the thing that's feeding this belief about ourselves, whether it's, you know, an unprocessed trauma, stagnant emotions that haven't been felt, whatever it is, that's getting ignored because our system is in this, this frenzy to protect us from it because it's, it's just feels too painful. Like we cannot deal. A fully integrated person, which is kind of what we're all striving to be, is one who feels deeply all parts of the human experience and the spectrum of their emotions. Because the truth is, we don't get to pick and choose what we feel and don't feel, despite our many attempts to compartmentalize ourselves. If we're resisting the bad, I'm doing air quotes, then we're also resisting the good. We're living life in black and white and not in high definition. We're bypassing the needs of ourselves and the needs of our loved ones, and we're not fully engaging in life. The addiction, then, is this resistance in action. And what are we resisting? Our true feelings, our true desires, and our true needs. The resistance stems from shame, being ashamed of the fact that we even have needs, being ashamed of the addictive patterns that result from not having that need met. See how it's a vicious cycle? And so shame is a freeze emotion. There's fight, flight, and there's also freeze. Fight or flight and freeze. We don't really talk too much about the, the freeze, yet I know me and, and so many of my clients, that's the one that we can, we're more familiar with. It's kind of like a deer in headlights. We're frozen and our nervous system is prepared to protect us from these truly horrendous feelings. We, you know, we perceive them as being horrendous and they're just so scary and so big. We're ashamed of them and we have this belief about ourselves. I'm flawed. I'm a fuck up. I'm a failure. This is just what I get. This is what I deserve. I came from a family like this and so my destiny is this and I have to conform and fit into that. And these are the behaviors that I'm choosing to engage in because that's how a person of that stature that I view myself acts and lives their life. And so rather than looking at the thing, <laughs> this dark, shadowy, painful thing that is driving all of this, we just kind of conform to the story about ourselves and, you know, succumb to the autopilot, you know, numbing out with whatever it is. And I just look at my own instances of um you know episodes of binge eating it's like i don't know where the hell i went i mean like physically sure i was standing in front of like you know the, the pantry or the fridge but like mentally i'm not i'm not there and if i'm really going to be honest and go in hindsight i didn't like it i did not like it i hated smoking cigarettes i was the worst smoker <laughs> and my friends would make fun of me and babe we, we've been together forever so right. we we've been with each other in those those old days remember you guys would all like wake up the night after a party go outside and light up and i just be like ah how can yeah. you guys do that yeah so if we're gonna be real and look at these things that we're doing we don't really like them because they're not really us we know that they're not good for us we know and not just in that like black or white this is good for me this is bad for me this new study said it's good so it's good no 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 i mean good as in feeding peace and feeding grace and feeding your purpose. We know on a subtle level that these things that we're engaging with are taking us away from grace and peace and purpose. They're numbing us. We're kind of like sheep, sleepwalking sheep. I just had an image of zombie sheep. It's, it's terrifying, all right? We don't want to be zombie sheep. So we're addicted to this image of ourselves and then we choose the behaviors unconsciously to feed this image, to keep that image alive because the core wounding feels way too scary to look at. And the truth is it's not. And that's where the liberation is. And I've talked a lot about this and a lot about shame in our previous episodes. So go check those out. 
for more on the shame piece and especially how it's it's that freeze emotion so i'd love to touch more on how addiction shows up in our lives these these various ways that addiction shows up in our lives some of us already know which addictive patterns we lean towards maybe we've already overcome a few as mike and i have have shared with ours you know our dances with alcohol and and pills and food and cigarettes and these kind of uh more mainstream substance substance abuse however i've also overcome and deal with many other character traits and armors as the result of wounding like people pleasing bypassing my emotions and and more like that so all of these things are addictive patterns that are ultimately taking us away from peace grace and purpose so what are these these patterns for you dear listening person soul beautiful soul listening to me we're always evolving and growing and changing and as we do we'll come up against more and more resistance because the old ways they did serve us for a time and they exist for a reason they're there to protect us from something and as we unravel it naturally there'll be some resistance because our system is like whoa buddy what are you doing this isn't safe and we keep going and bring deeper levels of stability safety and assurance to our systems our energy our dna our lineage and the collective at large so it really is this the epitome you've you've heard me say so many times of how the subtle creates the gross and dancing with these shadows and looking at these addictive ways and behaviors that keep us as these sleeping zombie sheep is the epitome of this spectrum of the subtle creating the gross and then going back and forth along this spectrum because it literally changes your physiology which changes your physical body which improves your health you know a lot of these these physical challenges that we have <laughs> they stem from these stagnant emotions and this deep old shame and the energy going towards suppressing that and bypassing that versus just letting it come up, feeling it and moving forward. It's like a, you know, a giant clearing that we can have. It literally is just like walking around being constipated on on all levels. And so I'm going to use a graphic example and just go with me here. Think about being actually physically constipated, right? All of that old waste, fecal matter just sitting in your colon. We don't feel very good, kind of sluggish. Our digestion, digestion's off, our hunger's off. It's just not a fun place to be. So this same, that same energetic, metaphorical state of being is is how this is showing up. So on all levels of, of, of your being, it's impacting you physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. It's impacting relationships. It's impacting your ability to receive because you're already so full of, of shit, right? Metaphorical shit. So how can we receive anything else? And so just clearing that is magical. And it doesn't just impact us, it impacts our everybody, our lineage, seven generations forward and backward, and the collective, the entire collective. So being that, that change that we want to see really does start within. And I know we've all heard that, right? It's kind of a cliche, but it's, it's really freaking true. So what are you currently dancing with today? What's something you feel you really can't live without? Maybe it's a food or your morning coffee or scrolling through Instagram. What brings feelings of FOMO, fear of missing out or dread or anxiety or general unease when you think of disengaging with it? Does the thought of not being on social media for a few hours or even a few whole days bring tension? What about not having your afternoon piece of chocolate? or tea? What about the idea of releasing the desire to control your environment? And so be radically honest with yourself. We all have something that is revealing itself to us at the moment that we may or may not feel ready to part with, yet we can simply just bring awareness to it. 
So just, just look at it. What, what is that thing for you right now? And after you identify this thing, what does it bring up for you to entertain the idea of reorienting your relationship with it? Right, so maybe it's not disengaging entirely, just being open to the possibility, being open to the idea of maybe shifting this, this relationship with it. Because like chocolate, right, it's not inherently bad. It's not like you're drinking Clorox from under the sink, but perhaps the way that you're engaging with it right now is bringing you away from your high self, from your purpose, from peace and grace, and it's actually working more as a poison for you and a numbing, clogging agent. It's sleepwalking zombie sheep food. So it's not inherently bad, and a lot of these things aren't. And I mean, okay, if it's like, if it is truly a poison, right, if it is drugs or alcohol, that's a different story. But like, social media is not inherently bad. Chocolate, coffee, these things are not po poison. How we engage with them dictates whether it's poison or medicine. So this black or white, giving it all up, cold turkey, doesn't need to be that way. So just being open to the idea of let's identify what this thing is just right now, because last week it might have been something else, a year from now it might be something different. We're always evolving and growing and we get better at bringing awareness to what these things are and identifying them. And then from there we get to shift our relationship and take our power back by looking at the, the underlying need because the chocolate's not the need. It's what we perceive that chocolate or that coffee or that Instagram feed to be giving us. So when we are empowered enough to identify the true need, we can come into right relationship with the addictive thing. I think that well, I know that I still have echoes of old addictions that pop up every now and then. Like, uh, you know, sometimes I'll have a, a flashback to a specific drink, you know, uh, or I'll imagine that I'm smelling a cigarette you know, and I know, like, nobody in this house smokes, and so it's completely insane for me to think that I'm smelling a cigarette, but I just have old cravings that after years of not having those things, they still, uh, they still come up, you know, and it's crystal clear, and I think that, so I think that when it comes to finding out what the underlying thing is that's still popping up, it can be really scary to challenge your idea of the way you see the world. Like if I see myself as a fuck up and I clearly know that I'm a fuck up and I'm going to go get drunk and I'm going to screw off my responsibilities and ruin my relationships and all that, that's actually not as scary as me thinking that I don't understand the world. Like if I have a crystal clear view of the world and be like, okay, I understand things. The world makes sense. I just suck. As opposed to saying, well, maybe I don't suck and the world's different than what I thought. Embracing that kind of uncertainty can be a lot scarier than just sticking with a screwed up story that you know and that you're familiar with, you know? Totally, yeah. And we, we, I talk about that a lot. We've talked about that, that concept a lot on this show. The ego, who gets a very bad reputation, um, but is a very good and necessary thing when we're in right relationship with it and when it's in check. When it's kind of running the show, it is terrified to drop its identity and its, its idea of itself. So it can feel incredibly, incredibly frightening and downright disorienting and... and I give me some more adjectives. I mean, just really fucking scary to yeah. unpack these things and to challenge how we think about ourselves and who we think we are. And that's where it takes this radical self-responsibility and also some accountability and some, some support, some guidance to gently step into this truth of who you are. Because the truth is we are so much more 
than we even think we are, than we even realize. And the illusion of the person that we think we are is nothing more than an illusion. And it's fed and fueled by these neurotic delusions, aka addictive patterns. So to to really step into the full truth of who we are, which is these magnificent, sacred, divine beings, this little piece of divine consciousness animating a glorious, beautiful, intricate, complex human body vessel. I mean, it's like there ain't a damn thing wrong. We get to just breathe and be and feel and experience. And I think that so many of us are afraid of experiencing because it's transient and because it's shameful and because we're carrying around not just the experiences of our lifetime in this physical body, but of the lifetimes of those who were here before us in physical body, of whom our physical body is made, right? So you catch me, it's like we're carrying, and any trauma changes the physiology. So the physiology of your mother and father is in your physiology. So any trauma they experienced is imprinted into them. It's also kind of in you. So when the fear feels huge, understand it's it's kind of a collective fear. It's a fear we all have, and it's a fear we're all carrying because we're all so connected. And what are you going to do? Are you going to kind of let it keep going and just keep snowballing and rolling into the next generation and the next one? Because I don't know about you, but it doesn't seem like that shit's working. Like... <laughs> I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but Mama Earth ain't doing too well. We're not doing too well as a collective body. There's so much dis-ease and dysfunction. And anytime any one of us does something just simple and small, does something one little thing differently to step away from your norm and your status quo and your addictive ways and, and, and all of these things, just one little different thing. I mean, it truly ripples out into the entire field and, and creates this, this wave of change and of beauty. So it doesn't need to be this, like, let's just rip the band-aid off, right? You've been living in a dark cave your whole life. Let's just run out into the noon sun. Like, no, that would blind you and be painful. And so we can do it in little bits. And those little bits, the subtle creates the gross. It's the same thing in a beh in behavior change, just creating these little subtle changes. It's the same way that these tiny little particles make up your beautiful body and you know all of our little bodies together make up a giant collective body it's the same thing so feel the fear it's real and lean into it learn from it befriend it do one little thing differently and then another thing and that brings stability and grounds you so that you start to see the truth of who you are and start to make these empowered choices with more ease and it doesn't happen overnight i mean there are times i wake up like like you know i did this morning my, my day starts very early in service to myself and and others and and sitting with myself in sacred space and ceremony and prayer and meditation and movement and i will have moments where i'll just reflect and be like holy crap how did i get here this is who i always had an inkling of who i was and who I always wanted to be, and the woman I know I most needed during my most darkest days, like, where were you? I needed you. I wish I could, you know, go back and just hang out with poor little Devin. But these things don't, don't, don't happen overnight. So my question to you is, do you want to be in the same place that you are right now, six months, six years from now? If the answer is no, then do one little thing differently, and then another, and then another. So that thing that you identified is the way you protect yourself right? That thing that you're dancing with right now, that thing you're, you're kind of like, oh, I know I got this pattern. I got this thing. I don't really like it. I don't know what to do. So this thing that we identified, it's the way that you protect yourself and also the way you resist receiving real nourishment. The addictive pattern is the fake nourishment. It's like the processed cheese food slices that come in those individually wrapped bits 
of like cellophane instead of maybe like the grass-fed organic raw cheese if you're a cheese eater. These shadows, these shadow parts of ourselves are also our light and our next steps and they guide us towards the nourishment that we really, really seek. And if you really want to understand why you do something, don't do it. Don't do it and sit with the discomfort that arises. Breathe and notice what comes up. Allow the spaciousness to be there and resist filling it. Be with the discomfort. Slowly unravel your addictions to assess the real underlying need. It's that simple and that complicated. And this is so much of the work that I do with people and it's amazing so often what's sitting right below the surface that desperately wants to be seen and felt that we continue to stifle with these addictive cycles. Because the truth is, that which we continue to resist will continue to run our lives. The answer is already there inside of you and as you welcome the discomfort more and more, the more and more you find ease. I know it sounds like a paradox and yes, it's the craziest thing, and it's the truth. I would not lie to you. The more that you sit with the discomfort, the more that you find ease. So I would love to continue this conversation about addiction and how it relates to shame. And I'm really curious how addictions have shown up in your life and are you aware of them? And how are you managing and learning from them? I'm really curious. So please reach out and tell me about it um, in the Facebook group, Transmuting to Nourish, Awaken, and Thrive. The link is also on my homepage at innerspark.life. And that is definitely all the time we have today. If you're seeking guidance on your path and are ready to finally make the changes you desire, finally ready to transmute old pain and shame into purpose, finally ready to feel radiant and healthy in your body and life, reach out to me and take advantage of one of the three free sessions that I offer each week. So visit innerspark.life to learn more and to schedule your discovery session today. I can't wait to speak with you. Please leave us a review, share this episode or this podcast with a friend. We would love to hear your thoughts or questions. So come Facebook and Instagram, stalk us at innersparklife. And please catch us next time when we'll discuss the energetics of fall. So much love to you until then.